somebody stop me. Who knows that? It's the nothing personal phrase of the day from a movie starring Jim Carrey. Somebody stop me. It's from The Mask. Nothing personal word of the day. That is what coaches in the NFL have been saying since the beginning of the season. Remember when Andy Reid, the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, coached his first game. He wore a shield and the shield got foggy. It created about 17 memes and gifs and memes and gifs. Other coaches said, "Ah, I don't think I'm going to use a shield. They're supposed to use masks. They looked right at the NFL. They looked up in the sky, Roger Goodell, and said, somebody stop me. Well, the NFL responded late yesterday and said, you know what? I'm your man. I'm going to stop you. Three coaches in the NFL were absolutely and obviously thumbing their nose, pun intended, at the mask mandate, wearing their mask below the chin, below the nose, below the mouth, on the ear, off the ear. Pete Carroll, Seattle, that's you. I know Russell Wilson is the favorite for MVP right now, but you were without a mask. What about you, Kyle Shanahan of the Niners? Still worried about the turf at MetLife Stadium? Could you not be worried about the turf with a mask on? Did you need the mask off? What about Denver? Struggling, can't win a game infighting in the ownership, family issues, lots of service, not a lot of mask wearing by Vic Fangio. The NFL came down hard as a rock. $100,000 fine for each coach, but they didn't stop there. They then find each of the teams, Denver, Frisco, Seahawks, $250,000 each. Let's just think about what happened here. NFL has rules. The rule is non-playing personnel on the sideline will wear masks at all times, subject to a fine. Did they announce what the fine would be in advance? Because if I'm an owner of a team, and I did not know what the fine was. And I got a letter from Roger Goodell saying that we were being fined 250 grand because our coach didn't wear a mask. I would go down to the clubhouse, bring a stapler and staple a mask to the manager's face. Then I would fly to New York via Zoom. I'd sit in front of the commissioner and say, listen, not paying a $250,000 fine because my manager couldn't keep the mask above his nose. How about a warning? Well, we did warn you last week. How about a second warning? The NFL raised $1.05 million in fines. Now, the money in, the, in MLB, when you fine a player or fine a team, it goes into a pot. It gets used for charity. I would imagine that this million dollars will be used for that as well. That said, NFL is protecting a lot more than the safety of these septuagenarian coaches. That should have been and could have been the word of the day. Septuagenarian, I think Pete Carroll may be in his late 60s. I think septuagenarian means 70. I think Kyle Shanahan and Vic Fangio are probably young, but they're trying to protect these players. Hmm. Why would they want 
to send a statement like this. Protect the players. Fangio's 62, by the way. That's not old. Not young, but not old. It's middle age. I think 62 is the new middle age. Pete Carroll is 69, which is obviously the greatest year to be alive when you hit 69. Okay, so NFL is thinking to themselves, if we have a coach who gets it, and then by chance gives it to players, we can't be like baseball because we really don't have deep enough rosters that is going to impact the game. We're renegotiating and getting extensions on our broadcast deals. We're definitely trying to get more and more fans into the stadium. More and more teams are having fans. We can't interrupt the football season because we don't have enough weeks, maybe one extra week. We can't play double headers. Wow. You know what? There is not one thing we can do here except play. Now, maybe a coach could miss a game like the Florida State. You know that Florida State coach, what's going on here in Florida? Don't worry. The governor has it completely under control. The Florida State coach, his name is Mike Norvell. He is out missing a game. He's got the covid So if a coach missed a game in the NFL, would that be the end of the world? Would I give up a $250,000 fine to have my coach miss a game because of COVID? No, I don't want anyone to get COVID. Hmm. I think we're learning the NFL means business. They want to make sure that they have a pristine record as it relates to COVID. No interruptions, no outbreaks, no delays, no nothing. So they decided this was the moment. Forget hits to the head. Forget deflating the ball. Forget using cameras to spy on the other teams. That's just sportsmanship. Does that change the competitive advantage? I would argue yes. Does that attract the possibility of any sort of criticism to the industry? Politically, from sponsors? Nope. COVID is the most unbelievable game changer in history, not just because of health, but because of what it's doing to businesses, both politically and from an economic standpoint, not just because when there was a shutdown, but the cost of running the business during times of COVID. You've got to make sure that your employees are not being stupid and that they can control what they can control, which is what they can do when they're on the field and what they can do when they're off the field. We're seeing a level of self-policing within the ranks of players that is unprecedented, completely surprising to me, the way baseball players have bucked up and decided to stay in hotels and not go out, the way football players have managed to control themselves while not in a real bubble. There is no way the NFL is going to allow coaches to do anything to pierce that bubble. And they said, here's 250 smackers to let you know. So right now, you've got a bunch of front offices in football. They're talking to their coaches. They're talking to their assistant coaches, making sure the GMs are very clear. There will not be a repeat offender. I will tell you right now, when players or staff are fine nominal amounts, a grant now, it's all relative, but a grand, five, $500, a grand, five grand, even 10 grand, you've got some players who will not change behavior. They'll pay the fine and keep doing what they're doing. Coaches who are fined or managers who are fined for being ejected from a game, which comes with an automatic fine, they'll pay the fine. It's not going to stop them from approaching the umpire and potentially getting ejected from a game. 
but you find a coach 100K, that's a different story. When you find the team 250K on top of it, that's going to lead to absolute non-recidivism. So I will tell you here that Seattle, Denver, San Francisco, I guarantee it. It's not even worth it being a wait to see. I guarantee that those three coaches will wear masks the entire game from now on. Pete Carroll, who likes to bring it down to talk and then bring it up, you see some coaches do that, not going to happen. He will not subject himself or his team to further fines. We don't know. A second fine could be 400, could be 500. They may have already told in an internal memo, but it would have been leaked, that his first fine 250, then 500, then a million for a third infraction. Three strikes. Maybe you're out. Maybe the coach has to be fired. (laughs) Not going to happen. NFL did its job. Congratulations to you, Roger. Big news, Michael Jordan. He's decided to buy a basketball team. He's going to run a basketball team, having been the greatest player of all time and an Emmy Award-winning documentary. He decided that he wanted to join the front office ownership, see if he could run a multi-billion dollar team. Wait a minute, that's wrong. Michael Jordan has decided to buy a NASCAR team. (laughs) I'm totally kidding with you. I know that Michael Jordan bought the Charlotte Hornets, but it's really the Bobcats and not the Hornets. And I know that he hasn't been successful as a team owner other than asset appreciation, which, by the way, is quite a major way to grade his success. I know that Michael Jordan's not very interested in social causes because we watched The Last Dance. I also know that he may be jealous of LeBron James because Coca told me that. And I believe him. And LeBron James has used his platform and become very vocal and been great. Michael Jordan said, I have an idea. I'm going to say that I loved going to NASCAR as a kid with my dad and my brothers and sisters. So I've been interested in it my whole life. Then I'm going to buy a NASCAR team. I'm going to partner with my good friend, Denny Hamlin. And I'm going to hire the black driver, Bubba Wallace, the one with the noose in the garage. Was it a noose? Was it not a noose? Was it there before he was there? Was it only put in there after he was gone? Was it there just for him? The whole Confederate flag situation. Michael Jordan is stepping his toes. That's not the expression. Dipping his toes. Thank you. Into the NASCAR waters. And then he announces why. Now, the real reason is he thought this would be a good investment. He will be an owner of a team. When you own stuff, it's way better than working for people who own stuff. Equity matters, folks. Get it if you can. But he then got to say in his announcement, Michael Jordan did, that he felt this was the perfect time to buy a NASCAR team because of the changes they've been making on the social side, because of the level of inclusion that NASCAR now feels it is embracing. I'm not so sure all its fans are, But the ownership of the team certainly is. The sport in general is because in this day and age, if you are not talking about inclusion, you're going to be excluded. 
sponsors are going to run for cover if you stay inside your turtle shell and pretend the world isn't changing. It's a perfect time to buy because assets are depreciated. The economy is in the crapa. COVID is now in a second wave in Europe, even Canada. The U.S., I'm still going to argue, is in its first wave. We never had the end of a first wave, so we can't be in a second wave. There's a bit of panic selling going on in the market. And Jordan is a killer businessman. So he got to check two boxes with his purchase. Box number one, will I make money? Check. Box number two, can I say that I'm now woke? Check. Congratulations, Michael. I'm happy you did it. I'm happy for Bubba Wallace being your driver. Do you think that Bubba Wallace left Richard Petty driving because he knew he had to deal with Michael Jordan? Do you think that Bubba Wallace knew while all this was going on that he was going to switch affiliations? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. What's going to be interesting is that if you are a fan of Bubba Wallace, do you think that he will all of a sudden be a better driver being under the Michael Jordan label? It's sort of like saying that the Hornets will have a better team because Michael Jordan's the owner or that the Pacers would be a better team when Larry Bird was the coach, or the Knicks will be a better team when Isaiah Thomas is in the front office. By definition, having someone who is a star Hall of Fame, G-O-A-T, greatest of all time, it doesn't translate. If I'm a fan of the Hornets, I don't really care that Michael Jordan has all these outside interests, which he does. Do you think the Hornets are interested and the fans of the Hornets are interested that Michael Jordan owns a tiny sliver of the Miami Marlins? Do you think that they think that distracts him from running the Hornets? Do you think Hornets fans worry that Michael Jordan will be distracted by going to NASCAR races because he's now an owner of a team? Michael Jordan has more outside business interests than you can shake a stick at. His full-time vocation has never been the Charlotte Hornets. Is that why they haven't won? Hmm. Oh, here's a thought. The Charlotte Hornets haven't won because they haven't drafted well, they haven't signed good players, and they haven't put together a winning team. Hard stop, period. It has nothing to do with Jordan spending more time, less time, or any time. If you're going to be an owner, you put the people in position to succeed and let them do their job. Does Michael Jordan let people do their job around the Charlotte Hornets? That's a hard negative. Will Michael Jordan let Bubba Wallace race? That's a hard positive. Because Michael Jordan doesn't know anything about NASCAR. He's not going to pretend he knows anything about NASCAR. And what exactly would he do other than have to write the checks to get a better starter, a better engine, a better crew? He'll get the best, but you still need the driver. You still need the quality. It's going to be very interesting to me what happens with Jordan and NASCAR. First of all, can you imagine what Bubba Wallace's car is going to look like? Do you think it's going to have the Jordan? Is it called the uh, Jumpman logo? Whatever that logo is, it's like a um, it's it's Jordan going in for that dunk where he spreads his legs out. It's so awesome. I think it's called Jumpman. 
I bet you there'll be a big jump man on the car. I bet Bubba Wallace will have like Jordan. I always found it interesting, like when Hall of Fame players like like uh, Derek Jeter would wear Jordan cleats, Nike Jordan brand cleats. And I always thought that was strange when you're a Hall of Fame athlete wearing the image of another Hall of Famer. It's just interesting. I'm happy for Jordan's business interests. I'm unhappy that the Hornets have stunk for so long. I'm happy Bubba Wallace has a car he can drive. And I'm happy that Jordan's making more money. Okay, congrats. In terms of being woke and spending money, I have a general issue with what's been happening. And we touched on it on a previous show on Nothing Personal. A lot of money is being raised. A lot of organizations are in major inflow mode because they're taking advantage of people feeling like this is the moment with COVID, with all of the systemic racism and social injustice. This is the time I ought to give money because I feel guilty about my white privilege. So I'm going to look for organizations, give it away, and then say I've done my part. But if you don't pay attention to the organizations you give to and you don't see what their rating is online, you don't see what their cost structure is, you don't know exactly what they stand for or exactly how they spend their money, how is it that you know that you're actually making a difference other than inside your head saying, I feel better about what I'm doing? Now, you could say I'm guilty of this when we spent 100 days giving money to 100 organizations, but I'll tell you I'm not guilty of it and neither is Coca, neither is nothing personal because We, by giving it to team foundations and giving it to organizations that we knew about and we knew their structure and we knew their process, that we were putting money in places where we knew that that money would be put to good use. Why am I bringing this up again? Because Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association took the opportunity yesterday to make a big public declaration. We have combined to donate $10 million to the Players Alliance. Hmm. The Players Alliance. Let's talk about that. It's called the Major League Baseball Players Alliance. The Players Alliance was formed in order to support black cultural education camps and other programs to offer player-led mentorship to black players and black kids to fund leagues and tournaments and clinics, donate equipment, improve representation of black Americans in all levels of baseball, support baseball in public schools, provide grants, scholarships, community service. Wow, that's a lot of bullet points. I love it. Who's on the board? Holy cow, it's the who's who of baseball. Owners, white owners, Derek Jeter. GMs, white GMs, but also Mike Hill. Players, all sorts of players, mostly African-American, from Giancarlo Stanton, run by Curtis Granderson as the president of the Players Alliance, trying to honor previous black players like Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr. and Torrey Hunter even is mentioned. Why am I being critical? Make sure you do not misunderstand my point. I'm being critical because I have no proof. I've been on these committees. I've seen what happens in Major League Baseball. What are you doing with your 10 million? What's the process you're exactly undertaking? How are you choosing which programs to fund? How are you choosing which grants to give? How are you choosing which camps to support? 
I've been on the board of many charities for many years. The process to choose recipients of grants is laborious and difficult and problematic. It takes full-time help. It takes a ton of attention to detail if you want to do it right. My wish here is that MLB and MLBPA, who had a grandiose gesture of $10 million, by the way, as part of the collecting bargaining, collective bargaining agreement, there is that much money and more set aside for the union and the league to discretionarily give to charity. Every time they give when there's a hurricane or a flood or a tropical storm or an earthquake or some sort of nightmare, that happens and you see a donation that is money from an agreed upon pot as part of collective bargaining that has to be spent. That doesn't make it in any way questionable. It is great that they're choosing to fund the players Alliance, but by funding the players Alliance, don't mistakenly think that they're pulling $10 million out of the owners and the players pockets. That money was already chosen and earmarked. So it's not additional. Second, don't think that by definition, the Players Alliance has a structure in place where it will seamlessly take $10 million. You know what the equivalent is? Have you ever seen the story of the lottery winner who goes broke? The reason lottery winners go broke is that for whatever particular reason, they don't know how to have money. They don't know what to do with it. They buy this, they buy that. They get advised to do this. They get advised to do that. And often those, that advice is wrong and the money gets wasted and they end up right back where they were buying lottery tickets. My hope is that the Players Alliance is a focused group with a real board, with real actionable items, with minutes taken at meetings, with accountability, and with a process in place so that this $10 million can actually do the things that the Alliance says it wants to get done. All right, when we come back, we've got a birthday to celebrate. Come on back to Nothing Personal. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. You know, I watch movies every day. You know you're on YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Please subscribe. If you're listening to this, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform. I heard from someone that we haven't been on Stitcher recently. I asked Coca to deal with that. He'll be back to us. It may be a user error, but I doubt it. If you took the time to contact me, I appreciate it. Contact me. Come to me on Twitter at David P. Sampson. Follow me. Tell your friends about Nothing Personal. Subscribe, rate, review. Do all those things. You know, as part of the show, we review movies, TV shows. Once in a while, we do something special, a little different. Yesterday, one of my favorite actors turned 70 years old. Hard to imagine that Bill Murray is 70. I really, I don't know how to deal with that, as a matter of fact. Every time I look at some of the actors of my life who I love, whether it's Dustin Hoffman or Gene Hackman, looking at Denzel Washington or Bill Murray, just thinking about their age, it's, um, I don't know, I, I'm aging backwards. And for whatever reason, other people are aging forwards. Bill Murray turned 70. Happy birthday, Bill Murray. His, his birthday was yesterday. In honor of you, Bill Murray, my top five Bill Murray movies. Number five, a movie that is not on many people's list, but it should. It's got Jason Robards. It's got Gina Davis. It's got Randy Quaid. It's got Tony Shalhoub, the guy from Monk, but who I love, the father from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's called Quick Change. Trust me, watch it. It is hysterical about a bank robbery gone right, gone wrong, maybe right, likely wrong. Bill Murray leads a group of bank robbers, Randy Quaid and Gina Davis, and it is perfect. My all-time number five Bill Murray movie is Quick Change. Number four, Ray Parker Jr. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. The building, when I used to live in New York and I'd run Central Park, it's a six-mile loop. On the west side of Central Park, you get a perfect view of the Ghostbuster building. The original Ghostbusters were the big Michelin man, that big, the marshmallow man, the Stay Puff marshmallow man. Remember when they nuked the marshmallow guy, spoiler alert, and they got all sorts of marshmallow on themselves after, and they were on top of a building on Central Park West? Well, that's an actual building on Central Park West, but in the movie, you feel like it's a 40-story building, but in reality, that building is like 20 floors at most, and that is where they film the scenes outside the building, the awning. It's phenomenal. Ghostbusters. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Ghostbusters 2, good. The all-female Ghostbusters, fine. There's a new Ghostbusters coming out that I think is a remake of the actual original Ghostbusters. Can't wait. But the original original is the number four all-time Bill Murray movie. Number three, that's the fact, Jack. John Candy. Is there a movie on this flight? Harold Ramis, a brilliant talent who passed away too soon. And Bill Murray star in Stripes. It ages fine. I just watched it maybe a week ago. It is old. It's from 1980 or 81, so it's almost 40 years old but I loved it. It's my number three all time. Number two, Bill Murray movie. 
Number two Bill Murray movie is. Number two Bill Murray movie is. The number two Bill Murray movie is Groundhog Day. And the number one Bill Murray movie. Why people don't have this in their top 10. I think it's in my top 10 or top 15 all time. It's a movie that if you haven't seen, please go watch. Out of all five, I would say watch this one first. It's called Lost in Translation. I've probably reviewed it on the show. It's the number one Bill Murray movie of all time. Sorry, what about Bob? Sorry, Kingpin. Sorry, Caddyshack. Sorry, Meatballs. Sorry, Rushmore. Sorry, Royal Tenenbaums. Bill Murray has a new movie coming out. Coco reminded me before the show. Hold on one second, please. One quick second. Conan, I'm doing the show live. May I call you back? Thank you, Jeff. He has a new movie coming out October 23rd with Rashida Jones. It's called On the Rocks. It's actually... uh, a movie, I think, about a marriage on the rocks. Bill Murray, love you, man. Happy birthday. Okay. What's Steve Cohn doing today? If you just spent $2.4 billion on a new franchise, it's really an old franchise. They haven't won since 1986. They're in New York, the greatest city in the world. New York, concrete jungle, what dreams are made of. What are you doing today? How are you getting attention when you don't necessarily have the 23 votes yet to become an owner? What are you doing to make sure that the Mets don't play second fiddle to the Yankees anymore? Hmm. Is it possible that Brian Cashman could become the general manager of the New York Mets? The New York papers went crazy yesterday. It was the greatest move ever. Releasing through a leak. And believe me, this did not come from Steve Cohn. He has been zipper tight, as he should be, waiting for his votes, waiting to actually get the team. Word gets out that he's looking at high-profile people, hiring Sandy Alderson to come on back, not as the GM, as an advisor. Getting rid of Brody Van Wagenen. Told you that was happening. I'm not taking the wait to see till the guy's fired. But he's going to be fired. Mets not making the playoffs even an expanded field with the best pitcher in baseball, the rookie of the year, home run champ from last year. God, do they stink. They need help. Take Brian Cashman from the Yankees. 28 straight seasons above 500. How many World Series does Cashman have? 98, 99, 2000, 09. Cashman, was he the GM in 96? I don't think he was. Cashman either has four or five rings a staple in New York, able to deal with the Steinbrenner family from George now through Hal. Would that be the greatest coup d'etat, C-O-U-P-D apostrophe E-T-A-T of all time? It certainly would. All right, Mets fans. Here's the chances that Brian Cashman will be the new GM of the New York Mets. Zero. Nada. Negative. Negligible. Did you get that? Did you hear me? It's the ultimate NGTH. Truly the ultimate. Brian Cashman has two years left on his deal with the Yankees. 
If the New York Mets call the New York Yankees and say, excuse me, maybe we have Brian Cashman. We're going to promote him. We're going to make him president of the team. The New York Yankees will say, screw you. Well, what about if we just make a president of baseball operations? You only have him as the GM. Can we at least have permission to talk to him? The Yankees will do what Brian Cox does in succession. Oh, bleep off. That's F blank. C blank. Oh, blank off. What if we get word to Brian Cashman that we will make him higher paid than Andrew Friedman? More than $10 million per year. You'll be in Theo territory. Brian Cashman goes to the New York Yankees and says, match it. The Yankees will look at him and say, oh, F blank off. You're under contract, Brian. Deal with it. And you're getting paid a heavy sum. Cashman to the Mets. There's a better chance that Theo Epstein goes to the Mets. Now that would be something. Win a World Series with the Red Sox, go to the Cubs. Win a World Series with the Cubs, you're already in the Hall of Fame. Go to the Mets and take over New York and become a better team than the Yankees. Oh my God, I have chills at the possibility. Come on, Theo. Come on. Nope. Not going to happen. It's going to be interesting what Steve Cohn does. He would be well served to stop these rumors now because the time for these rumors are after you have control of your team. And let me explain why. If I'm Hal Steinbrenner of the Yankees or, oh my God, oh my God, what is the name of the owner of the Cubs? It's that family from Ameritrade. Can you imagine this, Coca? We have to stop the show. The Ricketts family. Oh my God. If you're Ricketts and you're hearing he may want Theo, or you're Steinbrenner and you're hearing he may want Cashman, you're saying to him, you want my guys? Which do you want more, my guys or my vote? Steve Cohen needs to be focused on counting to 23. Don't get your fan base excited until you count to 23. Once he counts to 23 and you get approved, then start leaking the people you're going to bring in. Build up the excitement. Get people to buy season tickets. Not now. It's a total wasted back page in New York. No one's buying anything now. You're not approved. You're a little early on the leak, Steve. I told you, you could just call me. I'm happy to help you on how to leak stuff in a perfectly timed way. So my official way to see is definitely that Brian Cashman will not be the Mets. That is official, by the way. All right, Coca. I think I'm going to go to the pick of the day for a minute. I'm annoyed about this pick of the day. This is a pick of day that needed to win. You know, the Philadelphia Phillies are the most frustrating team. They're playing the Nationals who are out of the race. They have Zach Wheeler going against Annabelle Sanchez. It is an absolute must win for the Phillies. Fighting with the Marlins for second place. Fighting with the Reds, Brewers, and Giants and the Cardinals for a wild card. And they absolutely laid an egg. Their offense disappeared. Bryce Harper's gone away. Bye-bye. Where are you, Bryce? You're striking out more than you're walking. You're not getting on base. We're totally distracted by whether or not JT Ramudo is going to be signed. We're starting the process of covering your ass if you're the GM, Matt Klintak. You brought in bullpen reserves, and they all stink. Joe Girardi is in a panic. It was a perfect game for them to win, and it didn't happen. 
We're now 19 and 13. It's an outrage. I'm going back to basketball. Now, there's a game we're going to watch tonight at 9 p.m. It's the Los Angeles Lakers against the Denver Nuggets. There is another conference finals. And if you don't remember, because they haven't played in so long, it's the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. And it's two to one heat. That series resumes Wednesday night, September 23rd. Tonight, September 22nd, it is the Nuggets coming off the heartbreaking loss of the Anthony Davis desperation three, two nothing. The Nuggets are only good when they're down 3-1. They will again be down 3-1. But to be down 3-1, you have to win one. The Nuggets will rebound. They will cover the six-and-a-half-point spread. Take the six-and-a-half. Let's try to get our 20th win with the nothing personal pick of the day. Nuggets plus six-and-a-half. Okay. Could you hear that stomach growl, by the way, on the air? I don't know if you could just hear that. I just had a major noise and it wasn't a belch or a burp. It was like a feed me. It was like Steve Martin in Little Shop of Horrors. Feed me. Okay. What's happening in the NFL that interests me other than the mass? You know what? We're going to go full circle. We started with somebody stop me. And we're ending with somebody fire me. Is somebody going to get fired in the NFL? I think the answer to that is yes. Let's take a close look at a team that has been bad for a long time. Remember when Matt Millen was the executive for the Detroit Lions and all the fans would wear paper bags? They couldn't win games. They may have had a winless season, but I don't think so. They may have had a 0-16 season, certainly a 1-15, some 2-14s. They've just been horrible. They then said, it's changing now. We are bringing in Matt Patricia. He is from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. He is a defensive whiz, a mastermind. Our fortunes change now. Everyone was excited. Matt Patricia takes the microphone. It's a new day in Detroit. It's a new era. Well, that era is off to a 9-24 and 24 start. Yes, they do have a tie. They have lost four straight games with a double-digit lead. They have a defense that absolutely stinks, which is the one thing when you're the owner of the Lions that you think you're curing by bringing in Matt Patricia. I wonder why some coaches off a coaching tree don't work and some other coaches do. Now, Matt Patricia has one thing going for him. Odds makers have Adam Gase as the most likely to be fired right now, followed by Dan Quinn of the Falcons after that abomination with the onside kick where his owner even called him out. Matt Patricia is six to one. If you can find a place to bet, I'd lay six to one on Patricia. Because when you're the Lions owner, you have to realize that it maybe wasn't about Matt. It was about Belichick. It maybe wasn't about Matt. It was about the New England personnel. It wasn't about Matt. It was about the fact that we're having a hard time fielding a team with anyone who's an above average player. When do you make that decision? 
I've got a lot of experience in when to fire people. Sometimes I've been right. Sometimes I've been wrong. The Lions are in a situation where I have a solution for them. I'm firing Matt Patricia, and I'm bringing in a coach who no one's heard of, not from a coaching tree. I'm bringing in a coach who I interview, who is heavy on analytics, who works closely with a personnel guy or a girl, person, and I am staying completely out of the way as an owner of that team. I am going to, again, ask for a reset from my fans and from my sponsors. I'm not waiting for this season to end on the hope that Matt Patricia will somehow change in the last 14 games. The reality is he has not worked out as a head coach. Not every defensive guru coordinator works out. Adam Gase was a great offensive coordinator with Manning. Bite the bullet. Don't wait. Stand up in front of your fan base and say, listen, I was wrong. Own it. Don't blame Matt Patricia. Don't blame your head of player personnel. Blame yourself. I was seduced by the Patriots like we all are in the NFL. We look at their level of success and we want to believe it has nothing to do with Robert Kraft or Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. We want to believe that if we bring in anyone who's touched it, anyone who's felt it or witnessed it, that they will be able to come in and they will be able to make the difference. That's why we hired him. Seduced by the Patriots. No more. We want to be seduced by success that we have here in Detroit. Copycat is a big thing in sports. When you want a manager who is a disciplinarian, because that works, you hire a disciplinarian. When that voice is no longer being heard, you hire a cream puff. When that voice is no longer hard enough, you go back to disciplinarian. When there's a successful team, you look for his assistant coaches, his bench coach, his coordinators. That is how we've always done it. Maybe it's over. Maybe there's a bunch of qualified individuals who don't have jobs right now with any league. Maybe it's possible to bring in someone completely off the beaten path. If you are the Detroit Lions, you know you've already fired Jim Caldwell, who, by the way, was eight games over. You know that you have not had any sort of Super Bowl success. Coca, have the Lions won the Super Bowl? I think the answer to that is no. I don't recall them ever winning the Super Bowl in the last 50 some odd years. When's the last time the Lions were in the Super Bowl? I literally can't even remember that. What do you have to lose? Be the change that you claim you want. Then you can turn around and say, you know what? We have not been doing good business. But don't worry, Matt. It was nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.